You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. Hey, what is baptism and why do we do it the way that we do? Well, on this episode, I sit down with Chris Austin, the campus pastor of our 528 campus, and Aaron Lutz, the campus pastor of our East 96 campus, to talk about those questions. And we also share some stories of some impactful baptism stories that we've heard as campus pastors. All right, Chris and Aaron, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. All right. So let's just jump in. So we've been in this series called Restoried, where we've been talking about how each element of our worship service restories us, re, uh, reminds us of the story that we're in in the gospel. Um, and so throughout that sermon series, we've been talking about that on the podcast, how each of these different elements also do that for us. And so uh, today we're talking about baptism because uh, this podcast is getting released the day that we, uh, we're talking about baptism cool. and the Lord's Supper in the series. Uh, I know recently at y'all's campuses, you had a whole bunch of baptisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the day that this podcast drops, we're going to be baptizing a whole bunch of people at Egret Bay. Yeah. Uh, and so want to talk about why we baptize people, what it symbolizes, uh, who's bapt- who baptism is for, and then we can share some stories about stories of baptism yeah, that have impacted great. us and things that we've celebrated. So cool. let's first talk about what is baptism? Yeah. So we'd say baptism is a uh, public proclamation of faith in Jesus. So it's our way of saying initially uh, to a community of faith that I'm a follower of Jesus, right? So we would say baptism isn't what saves people. Uh, Jesus saves people. It's his grace by faith alone in Christ alone, we're saved. So if we identify with Christ as our savior, what's the public way we demonstrate that? Well, it's baptism. So baptism is a, a symbol, but it's a really important symbol. So we also say it's like a, it's an outward expression of an inward reality, right? My wedding ring is an outward expression of some decision I've already made. That's what baptism is for initial faith in Jesus. Yep. Um, so why, so when, you know, some people may come from different church traditions. Maybe they got baptized yeah. as a baby. What makes our stance at Clear Creek different from um, a church tradition where someone gets baptized as an infant? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll give a little bit to that and then Aaron can jump in as well. So infant baptism, Pedo-baptism is how some people refer to it, is the idea that you're, you know, being baptized into this spiritual community as a child, you know, typically as an infant. Um, we believe in creedal baptism, means baptism after conversion, and therefore there's a sense of, like, you've confessed creedal, you've confessed your belief in Jesus, therefore there's a following of that, that you're now being baptized as of your confession. And so we're a, a confessional people in that. And so that's the difference in our context. And yeah. typically and primarily we see that in Scripture explicitly, that it explicitly talks about, you know, there's a belief before baptism, there's a repent and believe and be baptized um, versus implicitly throughout Scripture. Some have taken infant baptism to kind of be a, a second circumcision type thing that they maybe saw in the Old Testament. Now they see the New Testament. That's implied in Scripture, where we tend to see explicitly in Scripture that it is belief 
before baptism. And what about some of those passages you see in the New Testament where someone comes to faith and then it says their them and their whole household yeah. were baptized? Yeah. yeah. What about those? So it's another, it could be an implicit or explicit deal, right? So implicitly you could say, well, uh, the, the infant baptism argument might say, well, there, there were certainly kids in that household. Yeah. And so they were baptized as children. And we say, well, or they all heard the gospel respond to it together because it was so compelling that they all came to faith and placed their faith in Jesus and then want to signify that in baptism. And so uh, we're taking the book of Acts uh, and the examples that we see explicitly, uh, belief always precedes baptism. So you hear, you, you see Peter share the gospel uh, in that first initial sermon at Pentecost, and then thousands of people respond to the gospel and they're baptized in response, right? Um, you have all kinds of examples in, in, in the book of Acts. Mainly it's kind of the baby book of the Bible, but that's where we see yeah. people coming to faith and then responding in baptism. Yeah, specifically, you know, you look at Acts chapter 2, 41, that's where it says that, right? So those who received his word, they were the ones that were baptized and they were yeah. added to that day about 3,000 souls. And then in Acts at chapter 8, verse 12 says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And so, again, you see that when, they, when he preached it and they believed it, then they followed through with this act of baptism. Yeah, Acts 8 was the one I was thinking of yeah. when Philip is sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch mm-hmm. and he hears the gospel, the, the scriptures are explained to him. He's like, I wanna get baptized, there's water. Let's mm-hmm. do it right now, right? And so there's even this sense of like, you don't have to wait until a certain amount of time or until you've proven faithfulness. And we can get into some of that too, but uh, there's an idea that once you are saved, you should signify that publicly through baptism. So let's talk a, lot, a little bit about that. So yeah. I always think of this picture of you know these guys going down the road in the chariots, and he's yeah. like, hey, you know, hey, let's go get baptized right then. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of questions about mm-hmm. how to get baptized, where to get baptized. Like, can you get baptized in a pool or mm-hmm. a hot tub or a bathtub or yeah. a, a, you know at the beach, or does it have to be in one of our tubs here? Yeah. Uh, so how would you answer someone who says, well, hey, can I just do this? you know, somewhere else, maybe yeah. a smaller setting um, with family or by myself, yeah. you know, with me and just one other person. So how would you answer all those little questions and yeah. that are in there? There's a lot in there. So one, we practice baptism by immersion, meaning we go down into the water and up out of the water. Uh, one, that's the example we even see in Jesus. He goes down into the water, he comes back out of the water. The word baptism itself has this idea of uh, a cloth being dipped or immersed into a, a bucket and being pulled back out, like it's full immersion. So we, that's the way we practice it. So because that's true, we want to practice that either on a stage in a baptismal, we can do full immersion or in a pool or a hot tub or the beach or whatever. That means is helpful. We can talk about uh, some reasons why we've done other things and for like uh, exceptions to the rule, if you will. But the, the place, I think it has less to do with the place and more about to do with the people. In the same way, the church is a people, not a place. The place of baptism is what's important. It's the people who are there. So if, if my baptism is a public proclamation of my faith, well, who's the public that's seeing that and responding to that and holding you accountable to that decision? So I've got a guy in my small group right now who's ready for baptism, but he's not sure he wants to do it on our stage. And I'd say, well, here's the benefit of doing it on the stage is that this is the community of people that you're proclaiming your faith in front of and they're gonna hold you accountable. Now you're known in a different way outside of our small group. They hear your story. Uh, I think baptism is contagious in that way. People hear a story they're like, man, that's my story. Like, could the gospel be that true for me? So that's a benefit. But 
if you if if that's not your thing, and it's like, man, I I really am afraid. I'm shy. I don't want to be in front of people. There's all kinds of reasons people don't want to do it on stage. We can do that in a in a more private setting, but it's going to be public enough that it's still the people that are holding you accountable. So if it's in a pool, well, let's get your small group there. Let's get the people who are significant you coming to faith to be a part of that to witness that. Because baptism isn't just illustrating my faith in Jesus. It's also for centuries been representative of stepping into a local community of faith. And so I'm making a commitment to these people uh, as I'm following Jesus. And so make sure that people are there. That's a long answered, but that's the way I'd answer that. And I I mean, I think that's critical, right? Because again, sometimes we know we struggle with kind of a, it's about me and Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, I mean, our faith is a very personal faith. It's not a private faith. And yet it's about that community of faith that we're belonging to, that we're proclaiming to, that we're asking to to hold us accountable, to help us grow and mature as a follower. And so again, I think that's why that public piece of it is so important. So as campus pastors, we bear this responsibility to help people uh, become, to be baptized, keeping with the New Testament and our understanding of that immersion and things Mm -hmm. like that. But knowing that there are times in people's lives for various reasons Mm -hmm. where we have to um, pastorally help help those things, maybe have some exceptions in how that happens. So maybe give some examples where you as a campus pastor have had to help people make some sort of exception, but still be faithful to our understanding and of the practice in the, uh, the heart behind baptism. Sure. I mean, I think just even recently we had a situation, there was a medical condition that wouldn't allow this individual to be fully immersed. Mm. And so again, it's like, are we going to be, you know, that rigid in that when we go, no, the the heart was like, I want to be baptized. I have a medical condition that doesn't allow me to be fully immersed into a body of water. And so it was just a beautiful baptism where um, this individual, you know, was able to lean over the tub and we took water and, and, poured it over their entire head and face and um, celebrated her baptism. Mm -hmm. And so that was one illustration recently that we were able to celebrate with this individual. Anything like that? Any other ones that you think of? I know it's off the top of your head. But. Not really, not an exception like that. I think I've had people that, uh, I have a guy that, uh, f- as far as location, you're asking about earlier, he's like, yeah. I, mean, I want to do it at a beach. I'm like, well, why a beach? Like, Why is that <laughs> important for you? And so he uh, asked his wife to marry him at this location, got married at that same location. He's like, I want to publicly profess my faith in the place that has been meaningful for my family and my marriage because I want Jesus to be at the center of my marriage. He's like, I wasn't a believer when I exchanged those vows. I want to you know, profess faith in Jesus at that place because that's yeah. a deal. It's like, dude, let's do that yeah, then. That's you know? awesome. And let's bring your whole small group. And we did, it was great. Um, I think the other question you were asking about is like, uh, as elders, we have to like assess people's readiness. We have those conversations and people ask like, well, can I be baptized again? Right, and we have to get to the heart of that because we would say the the order is important: belief before baptism. So, if you were baptized as an infant, let's help you take the step of creedal baptism and the way that we practice here. And so, in that sense, like yeah, we would encourage you to be baptized again, if you will. But if you've been baptized, walked away from the faith for a while, and now you're back and you're just trying to like recommit, um, we would say you, it's not always that you want to get rebaptized as a signifying that recommitment. It's like, no, you are saved. You just have been a season of rebellion, and by God's grace, He's brought you back. We don't have to symbolize that every time we have this growth um, in our faith. And so some of it's assessing that, and that's not an exception, but that's one of those like assessing people's readiness and questions people ask. How do y'all respond to that when people ask, do I need to get baptized again? or 
Yeah, I mean, I'd say the, the same thing. Um, a lot of times, it's like I, I, I don't know yeah. their story and where they were, and so it's hard for me, even in a, a conversation, or even if I know someone really well, to really assess where they've been. I, I try to put that on them as much yeah. as possible. Oh, for like sure. you know, go go to God in prayer. Like let the Holy Spirit you know speak to you and and help you to discern where you were spiritually. Mm-hmm. And I try to assure people that if if you've kind of had this like gospel awakening or this really, you know, the season of growth, you know, like you said, that may, maybe you just got saved and yeah. that's, this is all new to you, or maybe it is just a, a really big season of growth. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of have to go back to maybe your original baptism and where you stood. And if yeah. you're like, man, I don't really know, you know, I was seven years old and I was, right. or eight years old. And sometimes, I mean, yeah, obviously, hopefully you're, embrace of the gospel has grown mm-hmm. since then. So yeah, yeah, you might look back and say, man, at eight years old, yeah, it's, but it's not like I know now. And it's yeah. like, well, hopefully that's true of all of us. Yeah. And so every time you make a big step forward in your faith, you don't have to get rebaptized because you're like, I don't know if I really yeah. was saved yeah. back then. Um, so just try to encourage people, make, make this a matter of prayer and see yeah. if the, the Holy Spirit can help you discern where you were and you know, just celebrate someone's heart in that in the first place. Like yeah. they're wanting yeah. to publicly profess their faith in Jesus. They're wanting to be faithful to their understanding of baptism mm-hmm. and who it's for. And they're thinking not in a way like, oh gosh, I want to make sure that like I do this right. Cause if yeah. I didn't baptize it, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. And that's like, no, they, they understand what baptism is for and yeah. they just want to do it, you know, in a faithful way. And so that's something to, to celebrate. Which is why we want to hear people's stories, right? So we usually have a, a process of helping assess readiness, not to be like, you got to check off certain boxes for us, but like you writing out your story uh, helps you understand where you are. It helps us understand where you are and the questions to ask. Cause we don't know your story like you know your story. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I mean, there was times where I was baptized as a young kid, came to faith as a young at, at age six, um, was baptized. And then at 12, it's like, oh man, this makes so much more sense yeah. now, you know? But I, my youth pastor at the time was like, okay, you had a six-year-old understanding of the gospel. Now you have a 12-year-old understanding of the gospel. But that doesn't mean what happened at six is now discounted because of what happened at 12. Because that's also in my life happened at 18 and 24 yeah. and 31 and, you know, whatever. And so, so we call that sanctification, right? Yeah, it's like you're absolutely. continuing to be sanctified and growing your faith and understanding. Yeah. And so. Um, but it, I think you do have to go back to that original point where you professed your faith and maybe followed through with baptism. You know, how sincere was that? Or yeah. was that a, a coercion because if you saw friends doing that or you felt like that was an approval for your family? Sure. And so I do think you have to, you know, look at the heart of it and and make sure that you're you're solid in who you are and what you believe in. Yeah. And so, yeah. So Aaron just mentioned when he was baptized. Yeah. What about you, Chris? When were you baptized? Uh, I was baptized as an eight-year-old. Okay. Yeah. So both pretty young. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Uh, I was baptized as as an infant originally, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, when I really came to faith, I was uh, nineteen uh, yeah. at at the University of Texas. Yeah. So uh, at a church there. God can so, work miracles. God, God can work awesome. miracles. Yep. Hey, talk about that for a second. I know this is you're the one asking the questions, but. Uh, because that's a question people ask us a lot. So I was baptized as an infant. Now I've I've really come to faith in Jesus. And I want to profess that, but I don't want to uh, discount what my parents did or man, my parents are really going to struggle with this if I go do this. Uh, how'd that work for you? But also how do you counsel people when they're asking that question? 
Um, I mean, I probably didn't handle it all that well. I mean, because mm. I was I was young. I was 19 mm. years old. I mean, newly came to faith, and so I mean, you know, I was uh, probably not as smooth. I was more, probably <laughs> a little more brash about it than than I should have been. Um, I mean, I, I think what we try to tell people is number one, you know, celebrate your parents' desire to you know raise you in a godly home, yeah. and so. Um, you know, while you might have a different understanding of baptism now than what they had at the time and maybe what their original intent was, you know, at the core of it, they're they're trying to raise you in, in a godly home and they're trying to introduce you to uh, the faith of Jesus yeah. in early on. So definitely celebrate that. Um, and I think that as gently and as lovingly as you can, you, you have conversations. Mm-hmm. And if anything, you, it's an opportunity to talk about how you know, all the stuff that you've built into me as a young child and what your hopes yep. are for me, now I'm embracing it. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I've made it my own now. And so um, while you know, my, my baptism as an infant was your choice, now I want this to be my choice. And yep. so um, I think, yeah, I think it's hopefully an opportunity to have some, some faith conversations with some of those family members and talk about how you're, how you're finally owning what they what they had loaned you. We talked about that, yeah. you know, your faith is loaned until it's owned. And so yeah. now I'm, I'm owning this. I'm, yeah. I'm believing it for myself. And so I want to celebrate that and publicly profess that through, through baptism. Yeah. I had a guy recently that uh, grew up in the domination with infant baptism and really came to faith at Clear Creek and really started to own it, was ready to make that public profession. And his, he wouldn't talk to his dad, um, who's still in that denomination. And his dad was really hesitant. He's like, man, I, I want to support you. I disagree with you. He's like, would you read this book before you make that commitment? Like, and it's like his last, like, hey, see if you believe this with me. And so to honor his dad, even though he disagreed, read the entire book, had a great conversation with his dad and said, dad, I read it, but this is where I have fallen on this. And I would love for you to come be present for my baptism. And to both their credit, like he honored his dad and his dad honored him, was present for his baptism at our church. Like it was a beautiful picture of what that can look like. Honor your parents' commitment, but do the thing that you feel like God has convicted you to do, like publicly profess your your saving faith in Jesus. It was awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. All right, so I wanna talk about some stories that maybe you have witnessed or maybe you've been a part of uh, either personally or even as just a campus pastor. I mean, you're just standing there on stage and someone's getting baptized yeah. and you're just like blown away by by their story. So I've asked you to even think about this beforehand so you're not caught off guard, but yeah. tell some of those stories. Yeah, I think anytime someone's baptized, it's overwhelming, uh-huh. right? I mean, yeah. it's just a beautiful picture of one, the symbol of baptism is a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus, yeah. you know? And specifically, it's a picture of what the gospel's done in us that, you know, we're buried and our own sin is pushed away and we're coming out of the waters as this new creation in Christ. And so it's just a beautiful picture. So that's why people cheer. I mean, people, yeah, I mean, it ought to be a celebration. It ought to be a celebration. I'll give you two very personal ones. One is uh, my now son-in-law who came to faith as about 18 or 19 year old. He came to faith in Jesus. And so we got to be a part of that and and witness that. And Aaron actually baptized him. And so in in my backyard. And so it was a beautiful picture um, for us as a family, just for someone that we loved and that, you know, had been a part of our family and got a chance to to see him walk through all the doubts and questions of faith and then embrace faith in Jesus and um, get to celebrate that together with a lot of people that loved him. And just now, even how he's serving in the local church today. And 
loving my daughter well and being a great son-in-law and raising two kids. And um, But that was just a, a really special thing for us to see um, someone that we loved so close to our family, you know, come to faith in Jesus and be baptized. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what you got? You know, as I was thinking about this, the the gospel is cool and that, that sometimes God saves people out of sin and sometimes he saves them from a life of sin, right? So like mine and Chris's story is one where like God in his grace chose to save us at a really young age. And not that we were perfect by any means, like there were seasons of rebellion, but he saved us from what could have been a life of just running from him and the effects that come with that. And so we, we celebrate all of those stories, right? Like we celebrate kids coming to faith and like, it's awesome. God saved them at a young age. But the, the cool part about Clear Creek is we see all kinds of stories by reaching unchurched people where God has saved and plucked people just right out of their sin and saved them. So the story I think of most recently um, was a guy named Justin. He talked about not growing up in the church. Religion wasn't part of that at all. Um, but at a young age, he talked about just being exposed to, to images he shouldn't be exposed to. So he's not saying anything you know shocking up on stage, but we all know that life. And that, that addiction led to other addictions in his life of drugs and alcohol. Uh, grew up in a, a pretty rural area where racism was a big issue in his, his home, but also then in his heart. So you have this guy struggling with a lot of addictions, struggling with a racist heart. And then he moves to this area. His wife gets invited to a small group. She's connected in group. And he starts to see this change in her and the grace that she starts showing him. He's like, I, what's that? Like, I want some of that. So starts attending church. His neighbors played a significant role in inviting them to be a part of the community. Uh, and throughout really even COVID, like came to Clear Creek right before COVID, was uh, watching a lot of our stuff online, came back after COVID, was starting to really get engaged and came to saving faith in Jesus and was like, we get to celebrate that baptism story. And for his vulnerability to tell a room full of hundreds of people, this is where I was. And by the grace of God, this is where I am now. And what he saw in his wife, uh, as an example of that, what he saw in his neighbors who are members of Clear Creek, uh, it was a beautiful story. And his neighbor got to be a part of baptizing his neighbor. You know, it's a really, really cool story. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, There's a story that, you know, right when COVID started, um, this was, I mean, he got baptized in June and I think he, in April, uh, had found out that he had stage four pancreatic cancer. Mm. And so um, his his wife was pretty active in a small group and she actually served here in the offices uh, as a volunteer uh, pretty regularly. And um, she originally contacted me and said, hey, you know, this is what's going on. Uh, he really wants to be baptized. And so, you know, talking to him and hearing, you know, this is all COVID had just, mm. just started. I mean, we weren't, we weren't meeting in person uh, as a church for our worship services at that time. And, uh, you know, it was all up in the air. I mean, and he had this, this, I mean, basically this experience where it's like his whole life's crumbling. I mean, it's like he was traveling a lot for work and, um, and all of a sudden it was like, you know, his, his clock is ticking. I yeah. mean, um, not good. And, um, he really wanted to be baptized. And, um, so we were like, we're, we'll, we'll do it. And so we ended up going to a, uh, a small groups member, small group members home, uh, had a pool in the backyard um, and, you know, had all their family, had small group, his wife, small group there. And uh, all the eager Bay elders went over there and baptized him. And it was, it was awesome. And he just sharing his, his testimony with all the, all the people there. I mean, it was, it was powerful. And uh, you know, now it's been, you know, two years, over two years since then. And um, you know, he's, He's still here, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, unheard of. You know, God, yeah, yeah, God's been really working through medical treatments and things like that, and mm-hmm. 
you know, he, he continually just talks about, you know, the, the miracle that, that God's done, you know, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, baptism is, is that, mir- is the, you know, the main miracle is that yeah. he saved him, you know, saved yeah. him um, from his sin and made him mm-hmm. a son of the king. So, yeah. Awesome. There were some cool COVID baptisms, right? Like the Lord just kept moving, even though we weren't gathering as a church, uh, we still saw people come to faith and not just by watching services online, mainly by small groups. Like there are people that are in group together, sharing the gospel with each other on a repeated basis. So the guy that's coaching my son's little league team right now uh, had been connecting at Clear Creek, started serving and just really, uh, he had, had been baptized as an infant, but really wanted to profess his faith. So we go baptize him in his pool in his backyard. He turns around and baptizes his wife. And so we're at baseball practice the other night. And he's like, Aaron, that's the single most important moment of my life. I got to baptize my wife. It's like that, like those kind of stories are just incredible. And so whether it's in a pool during COVID or on one of our stages at our campuses, like, and then baptism hugs afterwards where everyone's wet and you're just hugging each other. It's like the best. So good. Had a guy come up to me recently and he just was weepy. And he's like, man, five years ago today, I was baptized. Mm-hmm. And it was just a marker for him, just as a reminder again of God's grace to him. And yeah. I mean, transformed his marriage, transformed his life. And, you know, but he was just remembering that date even five years since. Yeah. And it was just like, man, I'm forever changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about, um, you know, for a long time we did baptisms. We, we pre- basically did baptisms one way, or at least that's how people perceive it. It's like we mm. did it on the stage, and for a while it was like you had to have a video right. story. And that was kind of a, a barrier for some people. Yeah. They're like, I don't know if I really want to be on yeah. a video. And then we sort of did like, you know, in person with like the microphone. Like, I'm not sure I really want to do that. It's just too many people. Yeah. And then we did a, a small, like a short series on baptism that culminated in what I, we, we just refer to as a mass baptism. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, yeah. we had a process. Yeah. We want to make sure people understood what baptism yeah. was. And that's part of what that series was for. Yeah. And we baptized, I don't even know how many people. I don't know. Hundreds. Was, yeah, yeah, hundreds. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. And there were so many people that, um, man, they just were, were impacted by that. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know, it's, it was awesome to see. Yeah. yeah. So we want to assess people's readiness. We want to help yep. them confirm those things. But we taught to that for a couple yeah. of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we had people make commitments. And then we would often ask people those questions before they were going through the waters of baptism if they weren't telling their story, right? So on a normal basis, we're gonna ask you to write your story out if you're considering baptism, because it's helpful for you. And like I said earlier, there's somebody in that room that's gonna connect with your story, hear the gospel from you and your words in a different way than they're gonna hear the sermon that's gonna follow that or precede it. And so we wanna encourage people to do that, but it's not like you have to do this in order for us to baptize you, you know? Um, But it's important when we can. It also showed just a a step of obedience for a lot of people. Because yeah. there's a lot of people that I think were in those rooms that would say, man, I believe fully in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. And as they heard the Bible taught and says, no, you need to repent and believe and be baptized. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many of those people realize like, you know, I, I've been living in disobedience to what the Bible says ought to do as a profession of my faith. And so I think it was a beautiful day of, of repentance as well, of just yeah. going... I'm I'm going to follow through in obedience and celebrate what God has done publicly in my life. So I thought that was a huge win for so many people too. That for sometimes years, you know, they would affirm their faith in Jesus. They just hadn't followed through in believers' baptism. Yeah. It was a day we could just remove a whole bunch of obstacles for people. Like, yeah. all right, if that's what's keeping you from getting baptized, let's get that out of the yeah. way. If that's the reason, let's take that out of the way too. Uh, 
Uh, it was a great day for our church. Yeah. And we've done that a couple of times and we probably will again. And if our, if our process or our system is preventing someone from being baptized, we have a bad process or a system. Yeah. And so uh, if you're watching this and you're like, I want to get baptized, but it's too cumbersome, yeah. let us know. We'll figure out a way to help you get baptized. Well, but, uh, stories have power though, right? We want to hear stories. Sure. I mean, yeah. Your yeah. story connects with somebody else. And your story has power, so yeah. we want people. Yeah, to, that's why to share. You know, whether it's a video story or yeah. a written story, or even just someone that is baptizing you who knows you well, who can say, yeah. "Hey, here's who this person is, yeah. and here's why they're getting baptized. Here's what's happened in their life, and here's how the gospel has has changed them." Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to tell something about that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So you talked about process. I want to. Mm-hmm. I want people to know what our process is, yeah. and maybe how how we try to make that as simple as possible. Um, for anyone who is interested in being baptized, what are they supposed to go do? Yeah, so we've created a website. Um, so clearcreek.org slash baptism or go to your campus page. And there's a button on baptism. And the first thing you see on there is a teaching video. Because again, we wanna be clear on why we do what we do, why we practice baptism the way we do. So I think it's like a 20 minute video of Yancey teaching on baptism. So we ask people to watch that. And then you can fill out a quick online form that really connects you to a person. So we don't want this to be a cold, you know, you're doing everything digitally. It's like, you fill that out, you express interest, and now someone at your campus is gonna follow up. Uh, We try and say within 48 hours, we're gonna follow up with you, set up a time to hear your story and connect. And so at East 96, at least, I've got a, a volunteer that receives those and then immediately connects them with an elder. So an elder sets up a time to hear their story, kind of reaffirms their belief in Christ, but also their understanding of baptism and says, yep, so-and-so is ready for baptism. Let's schedule that together. And that volunteer takes it back over from there, tells them when the dates are, how we do baptism, what we do, when the service is gonna be, those kind of logistics. That's our process. Yep. Anything different, 528? Yep. No, nope, pretty similar. Yep, yep. Same thing in Eager Bay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that uh, you know, you've been encouraged by recent stories of baptisms. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to the ones that will happen on the day that this podcast drops, but uh, it's such a, a good thing to be able to celebrate God's work sure. in people's lives and um, just the waters of baptism. It's a great picture of that. Yep. Yep. So, cool. Awesome. Thanks for being here, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.